Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. All right, who has seen that video before? <laughs> I'm surprised none of you have seen that. Okay, this video came out about, I don't know, five years ago. Um, and when we first saw it, we were like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy has no clue what's happening to him right now. It's like, he has no idea that this guy is like completely pulling his leg. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, every time we watch that video, it gets kind of funnier and funnier every single time. It's like, and you're probably thinking to yourself, uh, what the heck does this have to do with what we're going to talk about this morning? Well, the title of our series, we're doing a two-part series this uh, this week and next week, and the, the title of that series is called Faith and Sight. Faith and Sight. And you're probably thinking to yourself, what does that video have to do with Faith and Sight this morning? Well, put yourself in that guy's shoes, right? Okay, who in here is in the market for a used car right now? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, good. Well, that's good. That means you have a really good car that you're running with. Okay, Jim over there. All right, so say, say you're in the market for a used car, right? What's the first thing you're going to do? Probably go on Facebook now, right? You're going to go on Facebook. You're going to look at what people are selling, or you'll go on Uncle Henry's, and you'll look at what people are selling. You'll be like, oh, I really like that car. Oh, man, that's a great price. Man, I think that I really want this car, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to write a check for the amount, right? You're going to put it in an envelope and you're going to send it to the guy or the woman who's selling the car, right? That's what you're going to do because you have so much confidence in what that person told you about the car through the advertisement that you're like, it's, it's a done deal. Put the check in the envelope with a little letter and say, hey, listen, when you get this check, call me and I'll come get the car. That's what we do, right? No, that's not what we do, right? We go to the car, we look at the car, we, we literally inspect the car like a newborn baby, right? We're, we're, we're going to be constantly looking for anything that's wrong with the car. Is there any rust on the car? We're going to get in the car. We're going we're gonna to put our hands on the wheel. We're going to be like, can I picture myself driving this car? And we're probably going to take a test drive in the car, right? What we do when we decide that we want to purchase something and use our hard-earned money to do that is we're not going to take the words of the guy who's selling or the woman who's selling the car for granted, right? We're going to actually go to the car and check the car out, right? We're going to use our sights and our other senses to check the car out and to make sure that this is the car I want and that this is the car I want to spend money on. And so often in times in our world, because we live in a physical world, right, we rely so much on our senses. We rely on what we see, what we hear, what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can smell, what, you know, all of what we do, so much of what we do, we rely on the senses that God has given us to live and exist in the world. And so when we go and check out a car, when we want to buy a car, we're not just going to send a check in the mail and say, hey, unless you're buying it on Carvana, maybe. Then you can go to like the little Carvana portal and get the car right out of the, the thing or whatever. But most of us aren't going to do that. We're going to use our sight. We're going to use our senses to figure out whether or not that is going to be a good decision for us. And so this morning, I want to talk about and think about this idea of faith and sight and how our faith relates to what we see and the relationship between faith and sight. Because faith is one of those things that we see in our culture 
that the, the word faith has this sort of um, understanding in our culture that's related to, you know, spirituality or some sense, some sense of uh, religious practice. You know, when you hear about the term, um, when you hear about the term, say, a faith community or a person of faith, the automatic thing you think of is, is well, they're probably a religious person. They, they probably go to church or they probably believe in something spiritually or they have some spiritual life that they practice, right? But the idea of faith originates from God, right? The idea of faith originates from God. And everyone has the ability to exercise faith in their lives. You don't have to be a believer in God to exercise faith because God, through common grace, what we call common grace, gives every person on this earth, everyone that he created, the ability to have faith. And we have faith in so many things in our lives. Even in the most mundane things in our lives, we have faith. We can practice faith even without knowing God because of God's common grace in our lives. See, when I step out the door in the morning, I have faith that when I walk to my truck, it's going to start. Yes. And I have faith that my truck is going to get me where I need to go safely. I have faith that when I return home, that Shanna and the kids are going to be safe. I have faith that when I tell my kids for the thousandth time not to do something, that I'll never have to tell them again. That's the kind of faith I have, strong faith. I have faith that if I do really well at my job, that my boss is going to give me a raise. Yeah! Mario's in England right now, but when he hears this, he's going to be like, that little punk. Can't believe he just said that. Even though he already saw what I was going to say anyway, so, but anyway. I have, so we have this sense of faith, um, and understanding faith is really important to our walk with Jesus. And understanding faith and how it relates to our sight is so important when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus. Because what we want to do is we want to have his mind, right? We want to have his heart. We want to have his power. We want to we have his plan worked out in our lives. And if we're going to do that, we have to understand what faith is, how to possess it, and how it relates to our sight. And Paul has a lot to say about this idea of faith and sight, and so doesn't Jesus. And I want to take a look really quick at a couple passages and a couple stories this morning to try to get us to understand what the relationship is between faith and sight actually is. So we're going to go, uh, by the way, if you're on social media, we're, we're going to start doing a new social media campaign every week. So if you want to use the hashtag, I don't know if you can see it there, VP Faith and Sight. If you want to share anything about what you heard this morning or if God speaks to you about anything this morning as we're together and you want to post it either on your Facebook page or on your Instagram, you can use that hashtag and then everybody will be able to get to see um, what was said this morning. So you can use that. That'll be up on the slide um, for you. And we're going to try and run that um, going forward um, over the, you know, for the following Sundays. But anyway, so let's, let's get into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Paul makes this amazing statement. It's a really short statement, right? He says, so we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it's a really short statement, but it's a really powerful statement. And we're going to get into why he said it and the background behind why he said what he said in a moment. But the first thing I want you to see is this about faith and sight, that faith is the opposite 
of sight. Faith is the opposite of sight. We cannot live by faith and sight at the same time. That's what Paul is saying. We cannot live by faith and sight at the same time. And the idea of sight, Paul uses this word, eidos, in the Greek. And this word basically means the external or outward appearance, form, figure, or shape. It doesn't necessarily mean the ability to see. The word is, a, is, is, try, is referring to everything that's around us, the external world that we live in, the physical world that we live in, the form and figure and shape and understanding that the world is physical that we live in and that we live in and that surrounds us. So he uses this word for sight. And what he's saying is, is this, if we are living by sight, we're only going to see things or we're only going to believe in things that we can see, touch, hear, smell, and experience with our, with our senses. If you believe in this worldview, seeing is believing is your motto. Seeing is believing would be your motto if you are living by sight. This motto and this worldview basically says that there is nothing outside of what we can see, feel, taste, and touch that actually is true or exists. And that includes God, and that includes Jesus. There is nothing outside of what we perceive with our natural senses that exists. This is all we got. There's nothing else. So when Paul says, I just want to make a point of clarity here. When Paul says we do not live by sight, what he's not saying is that we should spend our belief in what we see. Okay? When he says we don't live by sight, it doesn't mean that we don't believe in the things that are actually around us. Like this morning, Shanna is sitting in front of me. I can see her. I do not need to live by faith because I can see her. She's in front of me. I can come up here. I can touch her. We can have a conversation. I can hear her, right? I can smell. I can, I can, I can, I can be, I'm able to uh, have confidence that the things that I see in front of me are actually there. Even though I don't live by sight. Paul is not saying you have to suspend what you believe that is in front of you if you're going to live by sight. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you don't have to believe in the things that are around you if you're not going to live by sight. Living in a physical world, it is perfectly okay to live by sight because it is what we see and hear and hear and taste and touch. But Paul, what Paul is saying is, is, if we are going to live in our relationship with Jesus, our experience with Jesus, we cannot live by sight. That we have to live by faith. When, it, when, we're, coming to the, when we're dealing with the physical world and the things around us, it's okay to live by sight. It's okay to trust what we, what we see. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, Paul says, we can't live by sight. We have to live by faith. There's a big difference there. And the word he uses for faith is this Greek word called pistis. And basically, the word is rendered faith in the English. That's what it's rendered. It's rendered faith. 
But he uses this word in contrast to sight. When he says we don't live by faith, we live by sight, he uses this word pistis. And this word basically means good faith, trust, or reliability. Good faith, trust, or reliability. And one of the, uh, one of the descriptions of this word is belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence. So if you were to look that word up in the Greek, this is how it would be described. Belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence. And so Paul is setting up two realities here. He's trying to describe to us there are two different realities in which we get a choice to live in. We can live by faith or we can live by sight. And earlier in the chapter, Paul is talking about this struggle between the two realities. And he talks about this idea that we as believers living on the earth, we're living in these bodies, these physical bodies that we find ourselves in right now. And we are living in the reality of faith because we can't see Jesus face to face. And he, he goes on to, to talk about the struggle that we have as Christians. He says to, he says to us, I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard because we just want to be with him, but we can't. We're here now. We want to live in the reality of sight, but for now, we have the reality of faith. And he's saying, we can't live by sight in the reality of faith. And conversely, when we live in the reality of sight, which is our future, we will not need faith. Think about that. The thing, the bedrock of who we are as believers right now, faith, right? Think about this for a moment. How important is faith to your life right now? It's everything, right? Think about this. In the reality of sight, when we are with him face to face, we won't need faith. Think about that. We will live by sight. Why? Because we will see him face to face. Paul says, we don't see him face to face right now. First Corinthians, chapter, uh, First Corinthians 13, he says, we see in a mirror dimly, right? We don't see him as he truly is. Guess what? Jesus knows us fully. He knows us fully. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we don't know him fully yet. We, we have a glimpse of him right now, but we don't know him fully. Until we go and transition from the reality of faith into the reality of sight. So until that time comes, when we go from, rea- from faith to sight, we have to live by faith. We can't live by sight. When we are transitioned into re- the reality of sight, that's where we can live by sight. But he's saying, that's not yet. That's our future, but that's not yet. I'll give you a quick story to kind of illustrate this a little bit more. So a lot of times, Shanna and I, we have a certain routine with our kids, right? We put them to bed and we have a certain, as you parents know, you have a certain routine that you got to stick with, right? Or else it gets really chaotic, right? If you're putting them to bed at nine and they're supposed to be at bed at seven, it's like, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. They have no idea what to do with themselves. 
So we have a routine in our house every single, well, not every night. I mean, it's kind of crazy a lot, but when we can, we have this routine. And what we do is our routine basically is this. We go downstairs, we um, brush our teeth, we get them into bed or we get them in their room. We read a story with them sometimes. Um, we, pr- uh, we sing a song with them. We sing a song with them and then we pray with them. And, sometimes, and a lot of times we'll give them the opportunity to pray for some of their friends or family or whatever. But there's a routine that we go through with them each and every night to bring stability to their life. And so we get through this routine, and then we're like, like she'll go with Gracie, then I'll go with the boys, then we'll switch. So then I go with Gracie, then she goes with the boys, and we do our thing. So then after we're done, right, what happens is, is we beeline it upstairs, <laughs> We're like, yes, freedom, (laughs) for like two hours. (laughs) Then we're just like, uh, now we're going to bed. No, but so we beeline it upstairs, and we're just like, yes. We're like on the couch, or we're doing whatever, and not so much now, but probably a couple years ago, we would be sitting up there for maybe five minutes, and you guys know this. You guys don't know this. We hear this this little peep coming from somewhere in the house. Mama, mama. And we're like, oh, shh, quiet. Shh, maybe she didn't hear us. And then we'll sit there for a minute. We'll sit there for a minute, and then we'll hear it again. We'll, mama, ma- mama. She, like, changed her tone. Mama, like, are you here? And, like, typically what I'll do is I'll go downstairs. Sometimes she would, but I would go downstairs because she's been with them all day. So I'm like, okay. I can go downstairs. So I'll go downstairs, and I'll get into Gracie's room, and then once I get into Gracie's room, everything's cool, right? Everything's fine. Everything is good. See, here's the thing. Gracie, when she's in her room, there's a point where she begins to feel unsafe, and she wants to be reassured that someone is there. And even though she may hear us, even though she may actually hear us talking, even though she may hear footsteps, even though that in some sense she's aware of us being in the house, right? She's not convinced until she sees my face. She, she's not consoled until she sees my face. And so often it's like that with us and Jesus. You know, we hear him, We feel him sometimes. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, right? But there's this yearning and longing to see him face to face. And that's what Paul is talking about this morning. He's talking about the difference between where we are now and the reality of faith, where we don't see him face to face, and the reality which is to come, which is the reality of sight, which when we will see him face to face. And that's what he's talking about in chapter 5. And that's what he's talking about when he says, we cannot live by sight, but by faith. See, Jesus had a lot to say about the reality of living by faith and not by sight. In John chapter 20, we see a story unfold. And Jesus is there along with some of his friends. And this is after Jesus goes to the cross, 
It's after he is put to death on the cross. He's taken down. He's put in the tomb. And that's that. That's the end of the story. But it's not the end of the story because Jesus, obviously, we know as we celebrate in Easter, rises from the grave. And what does he do? He doesn't go straight to heaven. What does he do? He starts to appear to his friends on the earth. He starts to appear to people, to his friends. And different moments we see captured in the Bible of where, when and where he begins to appear to people, on his friends on the earth. We see a, a moment where he shares breakfast with, uh, with Peter and some of, some of his other friends on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. We see these moments where he, 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 he just transcends space and time and just appears in physical form. And so this is all happening. And all these stories are swirling around. And, and all these people are talking about how they've seen him. And, and other people are saying, no, he's dead. What are you talking about? He was on the cross. And people are like, no. His friends are like, no, I've seen him. No, really. And there was this one guy. His name was Thomas. And Thomas basically didn't believe them. He basically said, you guys are crazy. What are you talking about? We saw him die. No, but he's alive. But I saw him die. No, but he's alive. Well, I know that. I know what you say, but I saw him die. And so we read this amazing encounter that Thomas has with, John, with, with Jesus in John chapter 20. And Jesus appears to, to, to Thomas, and he appears to him in bodily form. He doesn't appear to him in some weird, weird spiritual thing, Ghostbusters-like. It's not like Thomas can reach out his hand and he like goes through the body of Jesus. It's not like that. What happens? Jesus appears to him in physical form. And he asks Thomas to put his finger in Thomas's hands. I mean, in Jesus's hands. And Thomas literally touches the wounds of Jesus. And he literally touches the side where the spear penetrated him where the Romans could confirm that he was, in fact, dead on the cross. And at that moment, Thomas says to him, it's you. It's you, Jesus. I can't believe it. It's you. And Jesus has this amazing line. It's like a question, but it's a statement. And it's, I, I read it, and, and I feel like it's, like, so sarcastic. It's like the sarcasm just, like, just flows out of the statement. So like, sometimes when I'm sarcastic and Shannon like, tries to rebuke me, I'm just like, you know what? Jesus was sarcastic. <laughs> Have you ever been sarcastic and you're just like, no, that was the right thing to do? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says to Thomas, he says, so you believe because you see with your own eyes? Question mark. So you believe because you see me? Is that the kind of faith you have? You, you believe because you see me. And then he has this other amazing statement. Right after that, he goes, even more blessing will be poured out on people, the people who choose to believe me, but do not see me. Woo, think about that. Guess who that is? That's you. 
That's me. We have not seen, yet we believe. An even greater blessing will be poured out upon us, the church, because we choose to believe without seeing him. I mean, we're going to have a greater blessing bestowed upon us even now. I mean, this isn't a future blessing. This is a now blessing. Like, this isn't for some, this is an eternal blessing. This is now blessing. This is like, you will be blessed on the earth because you believe me and have not seen me. You'll have more blessing poured out upon you than Thomas did. Think about that for a moment. Sight does not require faith. I mean, sorry, faith, sorry, yeah, sight does not require faith. Sight does not require faith. That is where Thomas was operating from. He was operating from sight. And Jesus said, if you're going to operate from sight, you can't have faith. You, you cannot exercise faith when you're operating out of sight. Because sight does not require faith. But guess what? Second thing. Faith requires trust. Faith requires trust. In fact, faith and trust are really two words that you can use interchangeably. When you look at the definition that we looked at before of the word pistis, the word trust is in that definition. So in a sense, faith and trust go together. In a sense, trust is the bedrock of a relationship of faith in Jesus. Faith requires trust. You cannot live a life of faith without trusting him. Not possible. At the root of our faith has to be trust. If we are going to cultivate a healthy relationship with Jesus this morning, if we are going to grow in him, the bedrock of that faith or that relationship has to be trust because if there is no trust, faith cannot flourish. Without trust, faith cannot flourish. Just like any healthy relationship that we have in our lives, right? Whether it's between a, a husband and a wife, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a, um, a, a son and a mother, a daughter and a father, a co-worker um, and an employee, or I mean a, a co-worker, an employer, uh, two co-workers, whatever relationships you find yourself in, in family, in every circle, in every sphere of your life, if it's going to be a healthy relationship, it is going to be built on trust. And if it can't be built on trust, it will cease to be a healthy relationship. If you cannot trust people that you are in relationship with, that relationship will not last very long. And if we are going to enter into a relationship with Jesus and we are going to, and our goal is to see that relationship flourish and thrive, guess what? We have to trust him. We have to trust him. So when Paul says to the Corinthians, we do not live by sight, but by faith, what he's saying is, is that we have the confidence because of our trust, we have the confidence to believe and to trust in the things that are unseen more than the things that we see when it comes to our relationship with him. Guess what? Because we can't see him face to face. If we put all of our trust in our sight, we have no faith because we can't see him face to face. What he's saying is, is if you, we are going to live by faith and not by sight, it, requ it requires trust in him and it 
allows us to have the confidence to know and believe in the things that are unseen instead of the things that are seen. Trust enables us to live in the reality of faith when everyone else around us is living in the reality of sight. Trust allows us to live in the reality of faith when everyone else is living in the reality of sight. The writer of Hebrews says this about faith. He says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Again, faith and sight. Faith and sight. They do not and cannot live together. We don't have to have trust in things that we see, like we said before. I see people in this front row. I can go up to them. I can touch them. I don't have to have trust, right, that they are there, that you are there. I don't need to exercise any level of faith to understand that to be true. But with Jesus, it's totally different. With Jesus, our relationship is built on faith, built on trust, because we don't see him. If we could see him, we wouldn't need faith. Faith is trusting that Jesus says who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is. Faith is trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. Faith gives us the confidence to know that what Jesus said about himself is actually true. And this word that Paul gives to the church in Corinth is a word of encouragement. It's a word of victory. He's saying to them, I understand the reality and the struggle that you have right now, but guess what? There's a time coming when our reality will be sight and not faith. And this is how we live, more confident in the things we don't see than the things we see. And we need that in life because we're going to come up against things in our life that if we only live by sight, we're going to feel hopeless. We're going to feel beaten beaten down, we're going to feel like there is no hope. See, living by faith allows us to see things differently in our lives. As a parent, we may see a relationship with our son or daughter that is broken, that is unraveling, that is not what it once was. As a parent, we may see a relationship that we don't know how to change. But that is only what we see. Our trust tells us that Jesus will be our restoration. That Jesus will restore that relationship that we can't do on our own. As a child, as a kid, you may see an abusive relationship that you had at the hands of your mother or your father. 
But that is only what you see. Our trust tells us that Jesus can restore that relationship and bring it back to its original state of health and wholeness. As an addict, you can see the vicious cycle of addiction followed by a point in your life where you experience God's faithfulness. You see a cycle that keeps repeating itself where you are sober and then you relapse and then it's sobriety and then you relapse. But that is only what you see. Our trust tells us that Jesus has broken the power of addiction over our lives. As a man or a woman dealing with mental health issues, all you see is depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder, social anxiety. But that is only what you see. We trust that God and Jesus will be the one who defines who we are. That we are not defined by our depression or our anxiety or our bipolar or our social anxiety. That is not who we are. Our trust tells us that Jesus tells us who we are. He is the one that defines us. He is the one that gives us value. As a woman, you may see an abusive relationship that you cannot get out of. But your trust and our trust say something different. Our trust says, Lord Jesus, you're going to make a way. You're going to put people around me and you're going to make a way for me out of this situation. And you're going to protect me in this situation until I can leave. As a teenager, you may see just a bunch of friends that you thought you could trust, but you can't, or a young adult. You see relationships that you put your hard-earned work into and you sacrifice for, only to see them leave when the time is convenient for them. But Jesus says, if you're going to trust me, I will be your trust. I will be the one who satisfies every relational need that you have. See, what we see and what we trust are two different things. And if we are going to live by faith, we must live by faith built on trust and not sight. See, trust allows us to answer the question that Jesus uh, asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus has this amazing encounter with his disciples and he says to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I know that there are all kinds of people out in the, in the community that are telling you different things about me. There are, there are groups of people that are, that are telling you that I am this and I am that. And in this life today, there are all kinds of things that can tell us who Jesus is. He's saying, you know what, you know what everyone else is saying about me, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, you're the one. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. Our trust allows us to answer that question. 
Who do you say that I am when he asks you? And here's the amazing thing about Peter. When, when Peter actually, when Peter relied on his trust to answer that question, what did Jesus do? He changed his name. He changed his name. See, Peter was referred to Simon, son of John, before that encounter. And then when Peter proclaimed in front of Jesus who he was when he asked him the question, Jesus literally changed his name. In other words, he began the process of redefining who Peter was. And in this moment in our life right now, if we can rely on trust to answer that question, Jesus, who do you say that I am? Guess what he will do? He will begin to redefine your life. He will begin a work of transformation in your life when you can answer that question, who do you say that I am? And the only way we can answer that question is through a life built on trust and a life that is faith-filled and flourishing. And you say, Chad, how can you be so confident that Jesus is who he says he is? How can your faith and trust allow you to have confidence that Jesus says who he says, who, that Jesus is who he says he is. How, how can your faith and trust bring you to that place? And it's simple for me. I see what he's done in my life. I see the transformative work that he has begun and is continuing to do in my life because I answered the question, who do you say that I am? And no one, listen, no one can argue with your story. We can argue all day long about who Jesus is, right? With people that, that you're trying to convince in your life. But guess what, man? No one can argue with your story. You tell your story to someone about what Jesus has done in your life, they'll have a hard time rebuking that, right? We all have a story this morning. We all see God's work and Jesus' transformational work in us. Why? Because we were answer, able to answer that question, who do you say that I am? And the only way we can answer that question is by living a life in faith, built on trust, and not by sight. You have a story. You have life experiences. You have transformational work being done in you right now. Right? And the only way that happens is that you have decided to trust him and answer the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's how you know. It starts with faith built on trust, but it becomes knowing because of the transformational work he's done in you. You're so certain. It's like, all you got to do is see him and then I'll really know. But I am like 99% I know. But man, once I see him, it's over. Once I see him, it's over. Once we are transitioned from the reality of faith to sight, bam, we don't need faith. But for now, that's where we live. That's where we live. So the goal here is this morning, I'm going to wrap this up. The goal here this morning, like we said earlier, is this, to become more like him, right? That is the goal this morning. That is the goal every morning. When we walk into this building, 
when we gather together, when we worship him, when, when we read his word, when we pray for other people, all of that stuff is for one purpose, to become more like him. That has never changed. God's plan, Jesus' plan, has never changed. His plan is to make you more like him and to help other people do the same thing. That's it. That's what we're here to do. So if we want to see Jesus formed in us, if we want to become more like him, if we want to have his heart, his mind, if we want to have his power, if we want to see him formed in us, it starts by walking by faith and living by faith. Because only when we decide to do that this morning, only when we, begin, when we can begin to live by faith is when those things begin to happen in our lives. Jesus is saying to you this morning, if you want to know me, if you want to know my heart, if you want to know my plan, if you want to know my mind and my thoughts, if you want to know me in an ever-increasing way this morning, guess what? You have got to begin to trust me with everything. And the only way we come to a place of trust is by living by faith and not by sight. Amen? All right, let's stand.